Welcome to the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD or on your favorite podcasting source. I know a lot of people listen via the streaming services that are out there as well. If you're curious where that is, I think we're on iTunes and uh, and, and uh, Omni uh, and I don't know the, the regular places people might go and find podcasts. But I make sure that we are on Sermon Audio at sermonaudio.com. You can find the Faith Debate. Uh, on the Household of Faith in Christ portion of Sermon Audio. Also on Odyssey, that is a a platform that's kind of like YouTube or kind of like Rumble. Um, It's not as well known as those, clearly, Um, but it uses blockchain uh, technology for uh, how they manage the inventory. And so even when they want to censor things, it takes them a lot of hard work to do so. So they don't really censor almost anything at all. Like, there are gross things, you know, uh, illegal kinds of things or porn- pornographic things that they will hunt down and take down. Um, but they they got to really, really, really work. So they're not just like algorithms knocking you off their platform. And so that's why I like Odyssey. Anyway, this is the Faith Debate. I'm Troy Skinner, joined by Daniel Rasby and David Forsey. Uh, David a pastor of, of a church that meets in a variety of uh, homes, uh, kind of on a rotation basis throughout the uh, tri-state Potomac area. And uh, Daniel Rasby and his father, Imran, they have a church uh, in Thurmont, a house church, and also a ministry they've been involved with for a number of years that helps with family kind of matters, parenting and marriage and relationships, those sorts of things. It's called Conquered by Love Ministries online at conqueredbylove.org. So if you were listening last week, I, I read into the record, as it were, Article number 33 of the Warrington Declaration, which is talking about medical mandates and government authority and that sort of thing. And it was a long one, but the gist of of what they were saying, they're trying to give some space for if a church would require their members to wear a mask because they have a landlord, like they're meeting in a like a you know government owned school building for instance or a strip mall or something that they don't own and the rules of the building the property owner are you got to wear a mask to be in this building then in that case it's not a sin for the church to say okay we we got to abide by what the property owners say I'd be curious to see what we think about that. And but at the same time, the church should be busy figuring out some other strategy well, to, to I think what they're really to, like, saying homes or something. Is not a sin for you as the congregant to say, Well, I'm not attending such a church and you're and the church could sit could tell you, Oh, well, you're in violation because the Bible says to meet regularly. You can't say uh, are you you you're not necessarily in sin because you don't attend the church, but you should be hmm. looking for a church that doesn't I don't see that. the attendance part. That's what it says. Uh uh, in such cases, those who choose not to fellowship because of the mass mandate should not be said to be in violation of any biblical ma- commands regarding regular meeting with the saints. Oh, yeah, 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 further down. But the opening line is, we deny that all instances of requiring masks right. for church meetings are necessarily sinful. So that would be on the church, right? right or so device. either either way. Either way. Oh, that's, now, that's pretty open. They're yeah. saying, you know, like, there there might be times. And... You know, if you don't have anywhere else to meet and the place that you meet requires it, maybe that's okay. But then what Daniel is saying further down, you know, but then the church shouldn't discipline people for not coming if they think it's wrong for them to wear a mask. Right. And it's, it's I haven't I really thought have about it. For, for breach of contract with the lease if you're late, yeah, it's, requiring this. And it's always kind I mean, I haven't thought about it, but I mean, these, these, you start to think about different ways that this could apply. If you have to do what the landlord says, then what about all the renters who are living in apartments or condos of some sort or renting a single family 
dwelling. If their landlord says, it's my property, you're going to wear a mask. Do they have to listen? Not, <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about that question until like this moment, so I don't know that I have a, a formulated thought on it. But Well, generally, in, in American law, you can't... Um, you can't force a tenant to, to wear or not wear something, for example, in a dwelling. But commercial tenants are a little bit different, and so the church will be a, a commercial tenant, and you can enforce a lot more than you can enforce of residential. Now, there are other countries, such as Australia, for example, where the government did mandate wearing of masks inside your own home, um, and they would come into your home to enforce that. Um, but that was that was the government doing it also, not landlords necessarily. I think there is definitely a difference in legally speaking between a dwelling tenant and a commercial tenant um also not- also there you know there might be the issue of a, of a shared space right right so the landlord is managing multiple groups that use the same space can they sort of make rules about the usage of that space that everybody Kind of has and this would have implications for business owners too, who are renting you know, shopkeepers who they don't they don't own the space that they're doing business in. Yep. So if their landlord sure. tells like them, a mall or something. so the government wouldn't even have to mandate it, right? Well, that's if, what that was what was ending up happening because the federal government didn't really mandate a whole lot during COVID and never really did for the. Uh, or they just offered guidelines. Yeah, and then and everybody the appealed to those guidelines. Well, I, I, I'm just doing it because the federal government said. Yep. But, but it's a but guideline. That's how, they, that's how they got around it last time. <laughs> so I'm not sure that I agree with this whole uh, instance. I'm, uh, I guess what they're saying is that let's say such a rule is in place. How do you go about following or not following it? Whatever. I I think where we're getting at in this conversation is that that rule shouldn't be in place. The property managers and landlords shouldn't have the authority to do such a thing because it ends up being de facto government. That that's what um, the DOL tried to uh, use OSHA to to cram down the mandates and stuff. But most times, it was they were just providing guidelines. And then individual businesses, the one thing they did was the public transportation and the FAA for for the air travel. But even a lot of that. It was even recommendations, not official mandates. And there was never any federal vaccine mandate. There was never any state-level vaccine mandate. It was all individual churches or schools or colleges or buildings or, you know, those types of things. And each county was doing their own things. And state-level, they were doing things. You know, a couple of shows ago, David was making the point that, you know, once you let the horse out of the barn, then logically you're allowed to you know, do certain things with that horse. He didn't use that language, but that's the gist of the, the thing, right? The, if, you, if, if A, then B can logically follow what makes sense. And so I want, so, he, so the point you were really making, if I remember correctly, David, was, so we gotta go back further in the logic chain and get to the root of the issue. Yeah. And, and, and also say, if, uh, if it is wrong for the horse to run around the yard, Maybe it's wrong to let the horse out of the barn in the first place. Right. And so do we have, the, is that an issue here? Do churches need to be th- rethinking how wise is it to put your congregation to, in a situation to, where they'll be subject to the whims to, of a to, landlord? To put our gathering under certain, uh, under under the someone else's authority right. as far as. Right. Forget masks for anything. Exactly. Maybe, yeah. there's, maybe there's noise restrictions. You can't be loud. Oh, well, should you be forbidden from singing out at the top of your lungs to worship God? That's another very common restriction in, in a tenant's uh, landlord setting sure. is noise restrictions. Right. So I think it's very, it, this this kind of 
gets to the core of why I believe that the house churches are the way to go. I don't really think I mean, I'm, it's, not, I'm not it's, a big fan of buildings in general. It's one thing, even if you own the building, I'm not a big fan. But especially if you don't own the building, I am I'm definitely yeah, not a fan I, I of think churches. If the churches, I mean, I, I'm I'm not opposed to buildings, but I do think if the church. Uh, has a building that they're going to use as a multi-purpose facility, like they're going to use it for schooling throughout the week, or as 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 some sort of community center to to be involved with people's lives or whatever. So it's not just it sits vacant, you know, 167 hours out of the week, and for one hour, you know, it, it's got 40 people in it. Uh, if they've got a building that's that's more useful, that. There could be some wisdom, I think, in that, having good gathering places for people to come together for us to have community and potlucks and whatever. But, it, yeah, other than that, it's I mean, it's all the overhead. And having been in a more traditional church model, you have too, David. I'm sure you remember mm-hmm. some of those leadership meetings. It's like a four-hour meeting, and three and a half of the hours have nothing to do with the spiritual yeah, health gonna, of the church. Who's going to be on cleanup duty? Who's going to pay the electric bill next month? How are we going to come up with the funds to fix the uh, HVA? Because you know, a big church building has a big HVAC unit. You know, it's not your typical household unit, which back in the day you could get a new one for like ten thousand. I'm not sure where they are now. Back then, you couldn't get a church one for ten thousand because they were huge. Because the churches, the square footage were gigantic, and so you spend all these times worrying about your finances and worrying about. Like you said, who, who's going to coordinate this and coordinate that and what has to do with maintenance of the building? Who's going to mow the lawn? That's just a distraction. It's really something the deacons should be doing anyway, not the uh-huh. elders, right? Because th- that, that's why that's they why have they deacons, deacons, right? right? According to yeah. Acts anyway. 6. And that, back to the, sort of the issue, you know, at hand that they're addressing. And, and it, is, it is very specific. You know, they're, they're talking about a very particular sort of situation here. Uh in the in the statement, and we're, you know, trying to say, okay, what are the principles in play, and and that kind of deal, um, you know, and so, I mean, I guess the the question is, you know, if they're, and, and they're saying, okay, so a church can't, uh, should not say, because you don't want to wear a mask, if you don't come, you know, you're breaking you're breaking fellowship, mm-hmm. right, and uh, and they're saying that the churches shouldn't shouldn't do that, but, I mean the a believer should also take into consideration if if a church is requiring you continually to do something that is against your conscience may, maybe there ought to be a break of fellowship right if if, if the if the dis- disagreement is so sharp that unity is not possible mm-hmm. right then and they're not really speaking to whether the landlord should have such a restriction right they're just they're saying if it if it exists yeah yeah, I know. I just, There's a bu- bunch of issues all tangled up in this one particular yeah, yeah. item. Yeah, it's when I read it at the end of last week's show, it was like, wow, this has got a lot going on. This would be an interesting one. And we ended up talking about it for like the first uh, 10, 12 minutes of today's episode. We might be able to get through the last because there's only three more. Yeah, we affirm that maintaining personal health and personal health decisions, including decisions about which medical interventions to adopt or forego, are the role and jurisdiction of each individual and their family. It's a family issue or a personal issue or both, but it's not a government issue and it's not a church issue. We've talked about the church one uh, a number of times. They keep bringing that up. They're reinforcing it over and over again, which right. I'm sure is like, you know, uh, pricking Daniel a little bit. Yeah. Oh, no, I think in, in all cases, except specifically what's prescribed, symptomatic, uh, you know, quarantine. But other than that, it yeah. should be the family. I wonder if this is a way to think about that as opposed to, you uh, know, 
because it, it's not just a a uh, a personal health decision at that point. It becomes a community safety issue. Right. Right. So it's a different. There's something that you're symptomatic. You're and you're carrying something that's deadly or ser- a serious illness. Like well, we don't. You don't want people getting that. Um, it's not just personal health at that point. So if it crosses the line to being something that's more than personal health and you could demonstrate, somehow prove, make the case that David yeah. is a risk to Daniel and Troy, he shouldn't be in the room right now, and I can say so because, and I can point to very specific things, there's a case yes. to be made. Well, I David has just... a pet tiger uh, who he keeps uh, uh, you know, walking around town with him. You might make the case that the tiger is not sufficiently uh, protected from escaping the leash and mauling somebody and you could ask david to keep it on the other side of town you know maybe or or not bring it into the movie theater there is a law about that in one city that's still on the books (laughs) about tigers specifically i think it might be lions lions yeah it's something like that well the raspies have had a bad experience and by the way by the way this is a, a a big gun rights person who's making a distinction here it's not different than a gun because a tiger can act on its own the gun can't act on its own so that's true um, yeah, the Razzies have lots of animals. They're like Dr. Doolittle, but I don't think they have tigers and lions. No. No bears either. And he likes guns, but I don't think he has a bazooka or or grenade launcher, although I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm not going to put him on the record I, with that. I, I think every American should own bazookas and F-16s with Hellfire missiles. Here, here. <laughs> Sounds expensive. Yeah. Who's got the money for that? That's why they tax you the way that they do, so that you can't afford to buy an F-16. Right. And an airfield. All right. So back to medical things. All right. Let's read the next one. Article 35. We deny that parents are guilty of neglect or abuse if they choose to forego a given medical intervention, such as a medical procedure or Again, they use the vaccine word. They were inconsistent. They had different writers involved in some of these articles. Yes. Due to the fact that they are not convinced of the short and long-term risk profile or effectiveness effectiveness of the action. This remains true regardless of what recommendations they have or haven't received from a doctor. So if they're saying parents are ultimately to be responsible for the the care of their children. And, and I don't think this prevents parents from becoming guilty of neglect or abuse and this being one of the factors that's used to determine whether they are, but you can't have a presumption that just because you didn't take a doctor's recommendation, therefore you're abusing your child. Right. You can't start with that premise. It could certainly be, you know, you, know, you could take a case of malnourishment. Oh, you haven't fed your child in three months. Um, you know, the doctors do recommend you feed your child. Well, okay, that's one reason, but also it's obvious to everybody that the child needs food, right? So. I don't think they're saying that you can't ever hold parents responsible for abusing or neglecting their children, but I think you can't start with that premise. Now this, uh, they did not, because they're sticking very closely to their topic, which is uh, COVID basically, but you can definitely apply this to so-called gender treatments, mutilations, and and, and uh, hormone blockers and yeah. you know, those sorts yeah, of the, things. Yeah, the, the logic would play out the same. One thing that they, they're steering clear of, either they didn't think of it or they just didn't want to go there, but they're saying if a parent says, I'm not going to let my child get that shot or take that medicine or or participate in the way the government is saying that, that, that they should or whatever, that I can't be. But what about the parents who give their have their kids get the shot? Could there ever be a case? I'm not talking specifically about the shots that are marketed for the COVID 
thing. Right. Hypothetically, in the future, if there ever were a shot of some sort where they injected a substance of some kind uh, into people and there was some sort of demonstrable harm caused... Well, take, and it became known. Take, take cocaine be, or heroin, right? Those exist. Those are substances, and people, parents do sometimes inject those into kids. So if a kid... Usually they go to jail for doing so. So can the parents be... Uh, but in that case, yeah, let's that's, that's use that. It's a, that's an interesting example. So a parent decides that there are medicinal benefits to injecting my child multiple times a year with heroin. <laughs> <laughs> and... The evidence, the data would seem to indicate otherwise, but they're persuaded. I'm inject. I'm going to go we, find somebody somewhere who's going to give me the heroin so I can inject, or, or they can inject my child for me. Could they be charged with abuse? I, I think the answer is probably yes. I think. So I think do, you I, have to. I think. <laughs> I think you have to be able to prove that the action caused a specific harm, and then you prosecute just like any other criminal action. That causes specific harm. Prosecute for the say, for the harm. For the harm, right. not for the yeah. Uh, so, what if a parent gave a child, you know, uh, in, uh, flying in the face of data and evidence, some sort of uh, medical quote unquote treatment quote unquote uh, that caused a brain aneurysm or you know problem I, with the kidneys or I, an inflammation yeah. around the heart something like that. It, it, a direct connection, I think, would have to be demonstrated for there to be a a prosecution yeah. right of would, the action would reports on something have, like vares be demonstrable and, and, and evidence there, there, I there's it another used to have cocaine and cough drops and stuff yeah coca-cola like apparently used and to another have it. another element is you know and depending on the case that has to come into play is like you know what was this did they do this knowingly you know did they did they have the evidence you know, was it not available to them? Was it not made available to them? Was it impossible right. for them to know that this would be? What harmful? about parents that send their kids to public school? <laughs> <laughs> they would be held responsible by from by God for for the things that the. That we, we, uh, be I, I, I've taken us kind of far afield. Let's yeah. let's uh, do the last one here, number thirty six. We affirm that it is anti scriptural for a parent to categorically deny all medical uh, interventions to their children at all times, with the rationale that all medical intervention is, as a category, evidence of a lack of faith in God. There are some some sects and some cults that believe that and I think they're specifically trying to combat those yeah uh, and, and, here. and like Christian science which isn't Christian but they're, right. they're, they're famous for uh, I think Jehovah's Witnesses also not Christian I think they don't do blood transfusions maybe right but that's a specific thing they'll do a, a lot of other stuff oh, okay. just never blood transfusions yeah I, I think they're just trying to make sure that people don't accuse them of being whack whack jobs here and they're like, covering a base well, here they're, they're going to accuse them anyway oh yeah what are they <laughs> Is this uh, is this proof text where Paul tells Timothy to take a little wine for his yeah, stomach? Yeah, First Timothy chapter five. <laughs> yep, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Interesting I'm sure proof the Baptists love that verse. Right there. So this whole thing ends with this: If you are not sure where your local church officers and community stand on these issues, do not be afraid to raise questions in a respectful manner. If you have good and godly leaders, you won't be criticized or dismissed for raising them. If you have been neglected or mistreated by your current local church on these grounds and appeals have not been heard, we encourage you to find a community where medical liberty is understood and practiced. I think Don't that's that fair. Needs, needs a whole lot of extra explanation. I think that's fair. And if you, and if, and if you feel like uh, you, know, you, you left your church because, and you haven't made your way back to a church since, because some people, they feel very disaffected, right? The church attendance is down, like big time across the board. 
uh, if, if that's you, and maybe you don't like me, you don't like Daniel, like David, I don't know, you have no taste in people if that's the case, but if you don't, you can still reach out. I've helped people find other churches. You know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be our church, but if you're looking for a church, you want to know, who can I, who can I trust? I will help you figure that out. I desire for you to not neglect gathering together with the saints, right. as so many are want to do these days. So, um, so I, I teased this last week. What do you think? You're not on social media, are you, David? Not, not really. really. Not really. No. no. You're not really I'm either. Not. I'm not. No. So this might just be a theoretical question. <laughs> do, do you know what blocking is? I don't want to take anything for granted. If, if somebody is. you know comments on your stuff and uh -huh. tries to hijack things or is very offensive or whatever, you can actually block them so that you don't see their stuff. They can't see your stuff. Not and on your... Twitter anymore. Okay, well, but they just, they just removed that ability. Is that right? Okay, well, you can on yeah. See, that's how closely I paid pay attention to pay attention to these things because I've I've blocked two people ever. Uh, in one case, it was because the person kept uh, insisting on hijacking every. I don't care what the post was about. It, it could be about what we've been talking about on the show the last number of weeks. And he would put a comment in there about the earth being flat and, and stir up people. And the whole thread of conversation would then be about flat earthism. <laughs> uh -huh. And I said to him, and he was, you know, kind of not, not a friend, but friendly. I knew him personally. It wasn't just a social media contact. And I reached out and I said, dude, you got to stop. <laughs> stop. If you want to talk about flat earth, fine. Do it on your page. Don't be hijacking every single post. And he refused. So I, I blocked him. And then there was somebody else who got rather... Uh, kind of a jerk in, in, my, in my view, but not, I mean, towards me, but whatever, I, I, I can handle that, but was very jerky towards other people who were commenting under the post, you know, people who are Facebook friends or Twitter followers of mine or whatever, right. and they give them a heart. I said, you know what? Uh, and I reached out to that person too, used to work with them once upon a time. And I said, look, if, if you're going to keep badgering people and being that disrespectful and that foul with people, then you're not welcome on my page anymore. So this is your last warning. And he, he didn't change, so I blocked him. Those are the only two people in all my years on social media that I blocked. But somebody asked the question if, if it's a sin to block someone, and I'm not sure why they think it would be. So I have a verse that, that goes with that okay. while you're talking. Proverbs 26. It's got two seemingly contradictory verses in a row. I'll read them both. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Next verse says, answer a fool according to the, his, his folly lest he be wise in his own conceit. And then he goes on and says, He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off, cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. So I think there are times to deal with fools by talking with them, and there are times to deal with fools by cutting them off and not talking with them. And use, you should be using the guiding of the Spirit and discernment to know when those times uh, are now. Um, but they both times exist. It's not a contradiction to both answer and answer not a fool. Uh, and I, I think yeah, that's that, what I would say to that. Yeah, I think we're on the same. I wasn't sure where he was coming I, from. I think in some ways you're you're responsible for what goes on on... Like on your page. On your own page, on your feed, you know, within the As much as the platforms allow you. Some of them don't allow sure. you much policing po yeah, power, yeah. but... And so, uh, you know, if something not good is happening there, it is okay for you to stop that. And maybe is your responsibility to stop that. Well, I mean, think of it, forget social media. I mean, if, if you, you and I and David, and we all go out to the, to a, um, a restaurant together and we meet a whole bunch of other friends and one friend is just kind of being a jerk. I mean, we might just choose to go out somewhere else next time. And not invite it. them. <laughs> right. I mean, you can do that. 
it's not. It's kind of. And there are other thing. things too uh, that you, different platforms allow you to snooze someone for thirty days, meaning that you know you're just going <laughs> to take a break from seeing their stuff for a while. Uh, you can mute someone where they you're not blocking them, but they're not going to be. You're not going to see their stuff. I'm not sure if they can post on your stuff. I don't know. And there's other times you can just informally, like you know, if somebody is just you don't feel like they're playing the game straight. You just stop interacting with them. You don't block them. They can still come and right. do what they want. You're just like, you know, I, I don't have time for the for what feels like nonsense. Whether it's nonsense or not, you know, I, you could be wrong in making that determination. But anyway, all right. Well, thank you for helping me uh, answer that question. One of our listeners asked that question, so we gave him a group answer. Daniel Rasby, he, he, he went to the Bible. That's his habit. Gave us, uh, he gave us a biblical answer on that. That's good. Uh, David Forsey was glad that we went to the Bible. That's his, his way as well. Uh, I'm Troy Skinner, and I'm glad you listened to the show. Till next week, 167 and a half hours. Oh, turned up my mic too soon. <laughs> God bless.